This is week two of Caring for Orphans, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. I'll do a quick recap of some of the things that we talked about last week. Um, I'd like to encourage everyone again to listen to Joe Oliver's series on adoption that he did about three years ago. Um, it talks about the doctrine of, of adoption, and it's really important to, to get the doctrine and to understand it. Um, because the practice of orphan care flows from the truth about the doctrine. Um, uh, another point about last week, um, the, the goal of the adoption process is personal faithfulness and um, sharing the hope of the gospel. Uh, I was talking to a very wise, very old couple this week, um, also known as my parents, Doug and Celia Helms. <laughs> Don't tell them I said that. Um, and, and they made the point that um, that's really the goal for all child training. Uh, it's, you, your goal should be faithfulness and sharing the hope of the gospel because even with your own children, you, or I'm sorry, even with your biological children, um, you aren't able to control the outcome. And um, it's helpful to remember that when, um, when you're raising kids. I want to go over a few statistics that we went over last week as well. Um, partially for those who have missed last week and partially just to get us in the frame of mind of what we were talking about last week. So when, when kids age out of the foster care system or the um, orphan, orphanages around the world, 60% of girls who age out enter a life of sex trafficking. 10 to 15% of the children who age out commit suicide before they reach age 18. 70% of boys who age out live a life of crime and or are arrested. So these are really uh, major problems. And as I mentioned as well last week, the, in the U.S., children aging out of the foster care system with no family has become such an epidemic that the prison systems of America base their future population needs on the number of kids who phase out of foster care. They're planning prison, prison needs based on foster care age outs. All right, getting into new material, and we'll start with barriers and doubts towards adoption and orphan care. First is ignorance. One of my desires for teaching this series is to educate those of you who are here so that there's less ignorance. There's so much that can be said that I ran out of time to prepare. If I had time to prepare all the great things that could be said, it really could have filled several weeks of teaching. But now you have a glimpse into the huge need of caring for children who have no parents or whose parents are not caring for them. Another barrier is finances. There are so many ways for people to get help with the cost of adoption. Some websites list grants and loans that families and organizations have set up to assist other families with adoption costs. There are even books that have been written for how to raise the money, and we have one that you can borrow if you like. We were very blessed by the Christian community to raise the money we needed to adopt, and most of that actually came from members here at Calvary. I won't spend too much time on it here, but we were blessed with a couple of grants, two large fundraising efforts, which were a huge garage sale and the Both Hands Project, which some of you will remember and many friends and church members giving to our fund. In addition, there's a, an adoption credit 
when you file your taxes that can reimburse over $13,000 of expenses per child adopted. Another option to consider is that adopting a child who is not a baby in Texas or whatever is local for you is much cheaper than either adopting internationally or adopting a baby. Families want babies so much more than kids, and so there's a, sometimes a waiting list for babies at the same time there are adoptable children in foster care. And the process costs much less to adopt a child in the foster care system. This is usually because the costs, uh, the, the legal and social uh, filings and costs have already been borne by the state. Next barrier, fear of trials. This ties into the lesson last week about the trials of adoption and the fact that our hope lies in Christ. When Hope and I first started coming to Calvary nine years ago, we were going through a rough time. That year we got married in January, and my grandmother, who I was very close to, died in February from a long fight with cancer. I was very busy with my first tax season in public accounting and studying for the CPA exam. And then really the biggest, uh, the biggest incident happened in July when my brother Peter was in a horrible car wreck where he nearly died, and even today he remains fully incapacitated and, and cannot speak. When we started attending Calvary that November, we were spiritually and emotionally exhausted and needed encouragement. We went out with a couple. There actually weren't very many back then, very many young couples. And we went out for lunch after church one Sunday and talked about some of what we were going through. We had known this couple previously, and so they knew some of our history. And the wife made a comment that has stuck with Hope and I through the years. She said something along the lines of, sometimes I think we're doing something wrong because we aren't experiencing a trial. I want God to give us a trial so that we can grow in our trust and love for him. We knew that what she was saying was true, but it was shocking to see someone look forward to, to trials so blatantly. In the years since then, this couple has gone through severe trials. Throughout their heartache and pain, both the husband and wife have remained steadfast in their commitment to God. And though I haven't talked with them in a while, I would bet their faces are stronger, their walk with God is deeper, and their trust in his promises is more unshakable than it was before the trials. Because that's how God works in trials. And I've seen it in my own life as well. This is why, and I quote here, it is safe to take risks for God because he is your strong tower. Pastor Dan actually mentioned this in his sermon on September 8th, 29, uh, this year, um, when he was preaching on Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. In this sermon, he was also talking about how to teach your kids about God. And he, he said, teach them to give their lives away in his service, either here or among the nations or both, wherever his fame is not spread. Bringing broken and hurting children into your home teaches your children, both biological and adopted, about giving your lives away in God's service because it's not just difficult for you, it's difficult for them as well. This is also something similar to what Jason talked about in his series on Ecclesiastes earlier this month or at the end of last month. He said that we don't have to fear creation if we fear God. People, and that includes your children, are part of God's creation. If we fear God, we don't have to fear them or the challenges that they bring. Next barrier. I can't sacrifice what is needed to adopt. 
but shouldn't we already be sacrificing for our biological kids to the same level as we would need to sacrifice to any adopted kids? And if the roles were reversed and your bio kids were older and needed adoption, such as in the case of you and your spouse dying, wouldn't you want someone to sacrifice for them? And I encourage you not to, to let that settle in and don't dampen its effect by thinking, well, I have family that can take care of them. Let that sink in. Next barrier, changes to discipline of children. If you know much about foster care and some adoptions, you may have heard that these children can't be disciplined in certain ways, such as corporal punishment, and this is because of past abuse or because of governmental regulations. This is not a myth. Sometimes even when you adopt a child and have full parental rights. But God is still sovereign even if you can't spank your kids. This is actually something I had to struggle with uh, when we were deciding about where to adopt our children. I know the passages in the, in the Bible that speak specifically to this kind of, kind of child training, and it can be difficult to get past these. Personally, what I came to is that the command to care for orphans doesn't get negated by the restrictions of a government in how to train our children or by the abuse in a child's past. The biblical teachings on discipline place a heavy emphasis on teaching, and sometimes when spanking is not an option, it makes parents work harder in thinking of a discipline that is most instructive for the child, and that's something the child needs. Next barrier, feeling ill-equipped. Get equipped. There are so many resources available that can help you prepare for a lot of the challenges you may encounter in whatever you're called to participate. I'll go over some more of those in a bit, but um, you can also speak with us or the Reeves, and I bring them up because they're um, the head of the adoption ministry here, or many other adoptive families here at Calvary to help prepare yourself. Next barrier, discomfort due to the way life will change. Life will change, but as I mentioned last week, living a life of faithfulness to God where you are forced to rely on Him will provide you with spiritual blessings that you can't get if you live a safe life. Next barrier, unsupportive family. This one can be a challenge. Most of us see our family members a fair bit of time, and if they are unsupportive, this can be a constant drain. But God can still work in this. And you can, you can help inform your family members if you want to adopt. You can train them and get them in the mindset of it, and we've seen that um, help in certain situations. Next barrier, if you're unmarried, it's possible to care for orphans as a single person. In fact, although not everyone is called for this, some Christians do adopt as single parents. Next point, messing, messing up birth order in the family due to the need for older t kids to be adopted. Everyone needs to evaluate your own capacity, and not every family is called to adopt children who are older than their biological children. But there are still ways to be involved, such as adopting and fostering younger children from the foster care system, and also supporting families who adopt. Next main point, evaluating your current capacity. Historically, Christians have been the ones to bring light to dark places, and have been some of the primary people involved in caring for orphans for hundreds of years. Here are some things to think through when you're evaluating your role in orphan care your health and capacity as a caregiver. Near the beginning of our adoption process four years ago, 
we held a huge garage sale as a fundraiser to get things going. And many of y'all contributed to that and um, attended the, the, uh, the garage sale. We, we appreciate all the help. But after that, Hope physically collapsed and was bedridden for about two months. The Lord ultimately brought her back to good health, but we had to put things on hold for several months while we sorted out her health issues and tried to, to determine her level of normal health. If God had seen fit to diminish her energy levels due to health issues, I can't imagine that our, health, or that our adoption decisions would have been the same. So this is something that you need to consider as well as you weigh these issues. Next point, support or lack thereof. Some families don't live near relatives or aren't very connected to other members of the church. We live near both my parents and Hope's parents, and we have a network of support here at Calvary. We believed that now might be our best opportunity to take on the challenge of adopting multiple children and adopting internationally because we have people who can support us in difficult times. Another thing to consider is the age, ages and needs of your current children. If you have several high-needs children or they require a lot of attention, you'll need to weigh that and see if you need to pursue an option for orphan care that is less time-consuming. Social workers or families who have adopted can help provide insight on this decision. Financial capacity. Adoption can be expensive, but as I mentioned earlier, there, there are ways for it to be less expensive. Also, domestic adoption is much cheaper than international adoption, and state programs such as Foster to Adopt can be nearly free. There's the decision to evaluate between domestic and international adoption. First of all, both are great. Domestic adoptions seem to make a pro-life statement in our culture, while international adoption seems to make a strong statement that God loves people from every tribe and nation. You may view this differently. This, this was just our opinion as we were thinking through the process. Babies versus older kids. In our thinking at the time, we decided to do, what we, to do the most good that God has given us the capacity for, and we found out that there's basically a waiting list for babies while older kids might never um, make it to a family. This helped us to be more open to the challenges of adopting older kids. Your current age is another item to, or another thing to evaluate. If you're empty nesters, you may not want to adopt, but there are many things you can do to support orphan care, such as administration, fundraising support for institutions, counseling, encouragement, etc. And similarly, if you are young, you have energy and capacity to do more involved work. How stable is your family life? Are you able to do more, or do you need to take a less active role in orphan care? If you aren't in a place to adopt, could you perhaps become certified to provide respite care for foster families? I think there's actually a couple uh, here at Calvary who has done that. Something else to evaluate, country. After we decided to adopt international, I'm gonna talk about our experience here. Things may have changed in four years. Um, and so this is what we researched. Um, after we decided to adopt internationally, we wanted to adopt a child from Africa. In our research, however, we discovered that African countries are filled with corruption, like poor parents who are tricked into sending their kids into an orphanage for care, and the orphanage sends the child out for an adoption to another country for cash, 
without the parent's knowledge. Also, some of the governments in African countries are aware of this and have made it considerably more difficult for foreigners to adopt. The CUPS have experienced this. And these two issues, corruption and restrictions, are what turned us from this continent. China was an option in our minds for a short time until we discovered that both parents must be age 30 or above to be considered for placement. And at the time, Hope was just 24 when we started researching. Next was South America, and we went with Colombia because the kids adopted out of the country were generally younger than kids adopted out of other countries. However, most children out of adopted out of Colombia have significant special needs that we did not feel called to, although if you are able, please do. There's a huge need for this, and a couple of, of families in our church have adopted special needs kids. And I'll explain more on this point um, in a minute. Um, and ultimately, we decided to go with Costa Rica, um, as, as I mentioned last week. So a lot of decisions that, can, that need to be made if you decide to adopt internationally. Child parameters. This can be a charged topic, but it, because it's hard to say, no, I don't want that type of child. Um, and this is something that, that you have to work through in your heart as well. Our rule of thumb on this was that we wanted to be able to do as much good as possible while not biting off more than we could chew. One of our restricting factors was the fact that sometime in the future, Hope and I will need to assist with the care of providing for my younger brother, Peter, um, because he requires 24-7 care. Also, we already have a child with some special needs. And while we think it's important and sacrificial to care for special needs individuals, we had to realize that God has given us future limits on our time that we need to plan for. We thought that one thing we could do is adopt more than one child at a time, and this is obviously the direction that we headed. I want to point out here, each family is different, and most will come out differently than us on, more than, on one or more of these decisions. There's no single right answer because every situation and family and adoption is different. If you would like help working through your current capacity and what form of orphan care might be best for you, feel free to talk with Hope or I as you wrestle through these important questions. Next main point, ways to support the cause of orphans. Adopt. I think the question among many Christian, Christians is, should we adopt? And we looked at James 1.27 last week. True, and, um, true religion is, is caring for widows and orphans in their affliction. I think the more biblical question, or question according to these passages, passages is, why shouldn't we adopt? The presumption should be on uh, that we should adopt or that we should be involved in some way in orphan care. And, that, and more Christian families need to ask this question. This is, one of the most, uh, this is one of the ways to most fully follow this command. Um, but let me be clear here because I want to avoid as much misunderstanding as possible. I do not think that every family is called to adopt. I think there are legitimate reasons to not adopt. But I think if more people ask the question in the way I phrased it, more people would see that God is calling them to adopt. I think there are plenty of ways to love and care for orphans or defenseless children that are short of adoption. Next way to support the cause of orphans. Prayer. And there are many, many categories of prayer. Pray for children in orphanages and foster homes that God will introduce them 
to himself through Christian workers and that they would be provided a loving Christian family. Our two children that we were adopted were actually introduced to Jesus before we, were, we brought them home. And there's still many misconceptions that we have to work through with them, but there was some level of understanding before we brought them home, which was helpful. Pray for families who have adopted, both the parents and the children, for perseverance in trial and hardship, safety, both real and perceived, trust that God will accomplish his purposes and the lives of the parents and the children, wisdom in perplexing situations that arise, and patience in all things. Some parents have to decide whether or not they have to call the police on their child or if they should place a child in a residential program. They're almost invariably extremely tired and can use encouragement and prayer. Pray for those who are considering adoption or who are in the process of adopting, that God would guide them in thinking through it and finding the right method of adoption, whether that's private or agency, the right agency if applicable, the right country, and the right kids. There are so many things to think and pray through that it can be overwhelming. As a side note, we found it hugely helpful to work with a Christian agency, and truly Christian, not just in name only as one of the largest adoption agencies in, in Fort Worth is. Um, not only do they understand where we're coming from, but they provide Christian support and encouragement through the, throughout the ups and downs of the process. Next way to support. Prevent orphans by supporting the institution of families and by strengthening families, especially those that are weak, so that adoption or institutionalization of children doesn't become necessary. So much can be done to strengthen families, but here are a few ideas. Learn how to counsel parents and spouses in their roles, then do it, counsel. Get involved in communities where there's a poverty of relationships to shed the light of Christ into them. Show them by your actions how to have healthy relationships. God can mend hurting or broken relationships, and he uses his people as tools for this. When spouses work through their conflict and when parents learn how to love and train their children, those children are at a much lower risk of needing to be adopted or institutionalized. Also, in communities with a poverty of relationships, the men need job referrals and need to be discipled sometimes in knowing how to honor God in their job and how to love their family. The women need to be discipled in knowing how to honor the, their husband and how to love their family sometimes as well. Advocate for laws that keep nonviolent offenders out of prison or in for a shorter time so that they can be with and care for their families even as you rely on God rather than the government to mend our broken world. Rivertree Academy is also a good place to begin this work. Terrence Butler, the director, has been here a few times in the past, and so our church has a relationship with the academy. It's a school located in Como, which is very close to our church, and their vision statement is ending the cycle of poverty in every family we serve by educating students from Como to learn well, love well, work well, and lead well. And they are a Christian organization. Next way to support the cause of orphans, contribute to the adoption fund. Most adoptions are expensive, and it's not just for social workers to get rich. There's a lot of work that goes into these adoptions. In fact, the Cups are in the process of adopting a baby from Uganda who lived with them when they were over there. You all may have seen the church email that went out yesterday. 
and they still need to travel with their whole family back to Uganda to final, finalize this adoption. And they currently need prayer and financial support as they work to complete this. Also, the Mitchells who, um, who are recently started coming to our church are in the process of adopting a baby, and so they need, they need support as well. Next way to support, lead a fundraiser or help with tasks that need to be done, like in the Both Hands project that we did, and I believe the Ishies did this as well. Provide a meal, especially if the placement of the children into the home is recent. Foster or adoptive families have a lot on their minds, and taking them a meal can help them focus on the other important issues that only the parents can deal with. Furthermore, if the family has a young infant or child that may be in drug withdrawal or other problems, this can help reduce the overwhelm of the adjustment. Next way to support. In interactions with adopted kids, support the parents and encourage the kids to respect them. Bonding and respect can be the most important character traits or some of the most important character traits these children can learn. And the parents are the ones who are called by God to help them with this. By pointing the children back to the parents, you can reinforce the teaching they're getting at home. You can also go through training and get certified to babysit for foster parents. This training can be also helpful if you babysit adopted children as their behaviors, attitudes, and situations that you won't, they have behaviors, attitudes, and situations that you won't encounter in most babysitting jobs. Foster children can only be babysat by adults who have been trained and certified, and so foster parents don't get a break unless there are certified babysitters. You can also volunteer at an orphanage in another country. For the most part, the U.S. doesn't have orphanages, but as we've moved to foster homes. But you can also get connected and support the orphanages in other countries from afar. This can range from financial contributions to coordinating fundraising and administrative needs or clothing. You can also foster children in your community. You may be the only Christian light that foster kids have in their lives, and who knows whether God will use you to bring them to salvation. Children in the foster care system are subjected to relentless change in home environments, but we know the rock of ages and can infuse their lives with hope by teaching them about him. You can also care for the functionally fatherless. These are those who have fathers who are present physically, but not emotionally or spiritually. You can educate yourself on how to care for kids who have a history of trauma and how that affects the child, parents, and families, so you can be familiar with how to serve the needs of traumatized children and their families. You can get involved with different Christian organizations. One local organization is Hope Fort Worth, and it helps Christian, Christians mobilize to care for the needs of orphans. Next main point. I'm going to get into some, of the, some profiles of children in need of adoption. We uh, have contacts with Lifeline, which is um, focused in South America, so these kids are actually from Costa Rica. There are many other kids, obviously, that could, um, be, that could fill this section on profiles. These kids are from Costa Rica. The first is Guadalupe Jaramaro Martinez. She's 10 years old. 
She entered into care due to her mother's constant physical abuse. Her maternal grandmother cared for her for a time, but could not continue to care for her due to needing to work and not being able to manage Lupe, uh, short for Guadalupe. She was severely beaten her entire life. Her grandmother would even hit her with a fly swatter while she was sleeping as a baby. She entered into a shelter in 2015. When she first arrived, she would bite and hit to receive attention from teachers, but made huge strides after eight months in care and no longer behaved that way. When she first arrived, when she was six years old, she received occupational therapy because she didn't know how to hold a spoon or a crayon, and the therapy has been very successful. Now she is a loving girl and happy, and she has overcome much of her adversity. She thrives when she is given limits and instruction. She has formed a bond with her caregivers and loves to interact with others. She loves younger children and is sweet to them. The director of the orphanage met with her and said, Guadalupe is a happy and cheerful girl who loves attention and connecting with others. She is a charmer and the first child to catch your eye when you enter the room. She is funny and likes to joke around, end quote. She wears glasses and uses a hearing aid in one ear. Her orphanage closed this summer, and she and, other, she and another boy who is being adopted were the last two in the orphanage. She, she, uh, I got an update on her um, recently. She's actually in the process of being adopted, but I left her profile in here to give you a better taste of some of the many things that these kids go through. Next profile, Yorgo and Yumai. Yorgo is, um, is the brother, 12 year, years old. Yumai is the sister, 10 years old. Their history is that their biological family was very poor and they were self-admitted drug addicts. They relinquished their own rights to the governmental organization. Now, the two love each other deeply and have a great relationship. They desire to have a family so desperately that they have said that they are open to being adopted separately because they understand that they will have a better chance of finding families that way, despite the strong bond they have for one another. This is really unique. Most kids or siblings, when they go into an orphanage, want to stay together. They want the familiarity. They want, they want someone who's bonded with them to go with them to the new home. So the fact that these kids are willing to be separated despite being close to each other really says something about their desire to have a family. Yorgo is in the appropriate grade for his age and is smart, observant, and asks a lot of questions. Yumai says that she would love to have a family with her brother and more sisters. At first, Yumai can, can be very quiet and shy since she has a low self-esteem due to the color of her skin that she has been picked on in the past. Once she feels safe and comfortable with someone, she opens up. She opened up with a missionary team that went there and ended up giving lots of hugs and lighting up when she was able to choose a beanie baby. Yumai struggles with reading and writing, and this brings her shame as well. We pray that God will make a family known for these two and, um, who will spend time with them and see that they, uh, that they have value and potential. Next profile, Alexander and Juanita. My kids actually know these two kids. 
and they were, they were in the same orphanage, and they're somewhat traumatized by their story. The history is that their biological family is from Nicaragua, so they're much smaller in stature. There was an interrupted national adoption with U.S. missionaries in Costa Rica. This is where they were with the family for one and a half years, and it was interrupted because Alex and the biological son argued, and it was later reported that the family really preferred adopting a single girl, but went ahead and adopted this group. So, um, so this is really sad. They were adopted. They were in the home of the adopted family for a year and a half, and then they, they were sent back to an orphanage. Even a couple of months ago, my son tried to get his sister to behave because he remembered this story and the fact that they, these kids went back and he didn't want to go back to the orphanage. Alex is a sweet and happy boy. He smiles a lot and understands English very well. He plays great with other children. The entire team uh, was there for two days. Um, Juanita is an adorable little girl who loves one-on-one -on -one time. She is affectionate and likes to dance around and smile. They have medical diagnoses. Alex is considered medically healthy with no known medical needs. Juanita has full hearing in her right ear, but only 50% hearing in her left. The doctor in Costa Rica believes this can be corrected with surgery as there is a problem with a nerve in her left ear. Costa Rica will not provide a hearing aid to Juanita at this age, and the doctor said that they are unable to perform the nerve surgery in Costa Rica. Due to not hearing great, Juanita is currently in speech therapy. Next profile, Brandon Zuniga. This is interesting, I didn't plan it this way. His birthday is actually today. He turned 13 today. Brandon is in foster care. When he first arrived at his home, he did not walk or talk, but within two months, he started doing both. He had cognitive delay impressions, but has caught up fast. Now he speaks in full sentences and is hilarious. He learns so fast and is extremely friendly, playful, and engaging. He has a big smile and giggles often. He follows instructions and participates in games well. He has great coordination and likes to sing and dance, especially to the song Baby Shark. Brandon is in, um, was recently asked his favorite color, and he shouted blue instead of the Spanish word azul. His medical diagnosis is that he has kidney failure. He's in need of a left kidney transplant. He has chronic renal insufficiency, which, is, which was diagnosed three years ago, and low immunity. The treatment for this is a, an NG tube for supplemental nutrition, um, and he's doing great with that. He has di dialysis for 12 hours from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. every night. He's also on growth hormones so that he can grow tall and gain weight so that he can have a kidney transplant. Next main topic, encouragement quotes, courage, and bravery for people involved in orphan care. If you're considering adoption or have adopted, make sure to be on the same page as your spouse. You must be united because of how divisive and hard adoption can be. You may be tempted to think that adopting older children diminishes your authority because they're bigger and stronger than younger kids, and may, many times 
your discipline options are limited. For example, if you give a child a consequence where they're required to do something, they might outright, outright tell you, no, I'm not going to do that. But in these situations, it can be helpful to remember that parental authority doesn't come from your children. It comes from God. Because of this, you can remind yourself that ultimately your child is rebelling against God, but that your God-given authority, although, unchallenged, although challenged, is unchanged. Next point. Adopting or fostering feels different than having your own children. This is due to a variety of reasons and is very common. This can cause people to be scared of bringing this pain and uncertainty into their lives. But if we really believe that God is the originator, architect, and chooser in salvation, then we can't fall into the trap of thinking we can control the outcome for our children. When adopting any child, they can of course turn to a sinful lifestyle. But if we're honest, we can admit to ourselves that this happens with biological children as well, even with faithful parenting. Next point is a quote from J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. It is not the Christmas spirit of, these Christ of those Christians, alas, there are many, whose ambition is life in life seems limited to building a nice, middle-class Christian home and making nice, middle-class Christian friends and bringing up their children in nice, middle-class Christian ways and who leave the sub-middle-class sections of the community, Christian and non-Christian, to get on by themselves. This was a hard-hitting quote to me. But I didn't say it, J.I. Packer did, so <laughs> be mad at him. <laughs> um, next point. I heard a, a story of a Christian brother that I think is helpful in thinking through adoption. He and his wife had, after much prayer, decided to foster. It took a while, but eventually they were able to bring home a baby who needed temporary care. Later on, social workers determined that the baby would need to be adopted, and they told the wife. She told them she would need to talk to her husband before providing an answer. His response was almost immediately a yes to adopt the baby. But that answer raised other questions in his mind. He'd been opposed to adopting, and now he was freely opening his home to a baby. But why wasn't he open to adopting older children? They need parents just as much as the baby and are much less likely to be adopted by a family. I don't want this to sound like an option is superior to another. I know, I know it can come across that way. But I instead want to point out that there can be many prejudices that we don't even know that we have that can be barriers to the way that we take care of orphans. Closing encouragement. This is a quote from Hope. As I mentioned last week, she blogs a lot and has, uh, has a, lot, a lot of good things to say. As Christians, we are given the capacity to offer real hope and grace to persevere in loving people from hard places. We can step into the darkness as torchbearers of light in the midst of despair, not because we are rescuers, but because we are the rescued. This is also quoted from David Platt. We are tethered to Christ. All right have some resources that y'all can look into um, after these lessons. One is Adopted for Life by Russell Moore. This is a theological and passionate support for adoption. Um, most of these resources are Christian, but there are a couple of secular ones. Next is Upside Down, 
which is Understanding and Supporting Attachment in Adoptive and Foster Families by Shannon Guerra. It's supportive of families who are involved in orphan care. The next is After They Are Yours, The Grace and Grit of Adoption by Brian Borgman. This is a story by a Christian and uh, his family has adopted and it realistically portrays some of the joys and challenges of adoption. Next is When Helping Hurts by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert, which is about poverty of relationships. And I included this one. It's not specifically um, about orphan care, but it goes into what I was talking about earlier in, in that um, one way of supporting orphans or preventing orphans is to strengthen families. And one of the primary ways that this needs to, or places that this needs to be done is in places where there's a poverty of relationships. This is written from a Christian perspective as well. Next resource, Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. Now this is secular, and, uh, but it's a novel that gives a good understanding of the mindset of children who are adopted. Next resource, You Can Adopt Without Debt by Julie Gum. And this is a good idea generator for raising funds for adoption. I think this is one of the books that we have and you can borrow. Um, next resource is lifelinechild.org. Lifeline and you can find their resources page and find out a lot more of, of ways to support orphan care. Another good resource is Orphanology by Tony Merida, Rick Morton, and David Platt. Orphanology unveils the grassroots movement that, that's engaged in a comprehensive response to serve hundreds of millions of orphans and functionally fatherless children. In this book, you will see a breadth of ways to care with biblical perspective and reasons why you must. And then finally, on resources, Hope Fort Worth, which I mentioned earlier, which is a local organization that helps people get involved in orphan care. So we have nine minutes left. I want to use those minutes for a prayer time. So if everyone could divide up into six to ten member groups, this is, there are um, prayer topics in the back that we can go through. If everybody could divide up.